Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Ackroyd's mother. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. There's a war out there, my old friend. A world war. And it's not about who's got the most bullets. It's about who controls the information. What we see and what we hear and how we work and what we think. It's all about the information. If you love them, if you really love them, then just keep on loving them. And never let him know that you know what he thinks you don't know, you know? You know? Hi, my name is Werner Brandis. My voice is my passport. Verify me. Cue the theme song. So, people hire you to break into their places? To make sure no one can break into their places? It's a living. Not a very good one. Anybody want to shut down the Federal Reserve? Anybody want to black out New England? Anybody want to crash a couple of passenger jets? I see. Turn it off. Turn it off. So it's a code breaker. No. It's the code breaker. No more secrets. Tahiti is not in Europe. Excuse me. When you get the box, then you give us geography lessons. Until then, this man goes to Tahiti. And give him head whenever he wants. Give him head. All right. Sneakers. 1992. I was excited to do this movie. Hugely fond memories of this movie. Um, Because it's, of course, written and directed by Phil Allen, Alden Robinson. uh, And it has quite a nice cast in it. Let's go. Robert Redford, Ben Kingsley, Sidney Poitier, uh, David uh, uh, Strathairn, uh, oh yeah, that's Emery. Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, Mary McDonnell. Um, blow your mind. Blow your mind. Eddie Jones's Buddy Wallace. Give it to me. And of course, uh, this is CNN's very own Darth Vader, James Earl Jones. At the end, pop it in for a paycheck. Did you say Ben yeah, so Kingsley? I thought I did. Oh, maybe it, you probably did. Cosmo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, quite the quite the cast, and one of my concerns coming into this movie was how was the technology aspect going to hold up, and would the espionage uh, make sense at the end of the day? That was my big concern. Um, but I forgot a little bit about some of the charm they tried to weave into this movie, so that'll be all some interesting things to talk about. It is just over two hours long, which is always a concern when we're running that long for kind of what I remembered as a lighthearted heist movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was made for about 23 mil and made a little bit over 100 in the box office. But, you know, while it got some decent critical acclaim, uh, it wasn't like nominated for anything. It's just not that kind of movie. Yeah. Too many secrets. Do you guys have fond memories of this movie? I couldn't remember it, but I'd seen it. I recalled seeing it when we got into it but um but no no is the short answer i don't really recall having any fond memories of this movie yeah hmm. i watched this a million times I, I, million. I used to own it i used to own it me and my brothers used to watch it i always thought that it was funny and uh interesting obviously uh it has aged for sure especially with the technology i was really surprised though about the themes though i found some of the themes to to still be relevant, I mean, quite obvious today, the themes, but like still relevant, like about like controlling the information and what people think 
is more powerful than money and uh, more powerful than armies. Like it's all about controlling information and what people people's thoughts. I mean, I, actually, I think today, the last five years, it's with uh, misinformation and fake news or whatever. I think that that actually that's more relevant than ever right now. It's funny the um, the threat that the the Jan Xbox puts into this movie is all you know they have to be very dramatic with it so they're hacking into things that are really really you know crazy and they shouldn't be in there and that's that is a it, it's fine it's it's something we've seen a million times over in the past while and things have turned out in reality to be even quite a bit more scary than some of what this movie's trying to get at and and so it's interesting that while these this movie was focused on the immediate like I can hack your bank I can steal your money um and and what we've seen in real life is that threat kind of not being maybe as major as as the long-term effects of you know basically brainwashing people online just by chucking content at them and how the how the kind of the algorithms and all that out there work so um there's definitely pangs of of real and truth in this movie it's almost had some really good foresight because this would have been i think one of the first movies that really had this kind of technology 92 wouldn't have been a big internet time um not for another couple of years would have <laughs> you been tell, mainstream. You could tell that by the computers and the interfaces and the way things look that it wasn't a big internet time. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. In this movie, uh, you can really you can really see that. But there's still hacking accounts in the beginning, and the beginning is like a flashback. So, I mean, there's technology, but it's not good technology. I think they're hacking in the beginning, aren't they? They are, yeah. yeah. They're using those reel-to-reel machines, though, where they're hacking with the tape and everything. Yeah, that's how, yeah. that's how computers used to be. Yeah, big tapes. That is, yeah. And that, but all that's accurate. And, and once you once you have the dates and stuff and see that it's a period piece, it it's it, that kind of like saves all of that stuff and makes it kind of interesting, I think. Is a movie a period piece if it's about the time it was taken? I, like is an old movie question. just a period piece or is that just an old movie now i think it's well, just an old movie i think a period piece is when they make a movie deliberately framed in a times yeah like like as movies no but i mean as movies get older they like back to the future for instance is a perfect example of, of what we're talking about so back to the future was made in the 80s and uh it was it was nostalgic to go back to the 50s but now, Back to the Future has become a period piece of the 80s and the 50s. I think, time, I think time capsule is a better word for it. I think it's a period piece of the 50s, but a time capsule of the 80s. It, but as long as there's specific dates in the movie, like they talk about 1984 being the date, and they talk about them going back to 1956. But if you watch a movie that doesn't have anything like that and is taking place in present day it can date it more because it's trying to it's trying to show that it's like happening right now and so that can make a movie seem silly if if it doesn't kind of have a a frame of reference for the time it was being made you know what i'm saying i do i don't think we uh are seeing eye to eye on our point not that we disagree i think that we're not able to uh, i think if you're focusing on like the dates and times of when things are happening in a movie like it works in the reverse too so back to the future (laughs) two they they go into the future 
So what's the year they go to? 2015? <laughs> it's somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah it's already so, happened in real in our world. So now it's seven years later. And that kind of, that not kind of, it, it completely ruins Back to the Future too because. Yeah, but under your. <laughs> under those dates. Under, of, but under your, uh, under your guidelines, isn't that a period piece then of 2015? Well, or? maybe time capsule is a, a better term for it. A period piece, you're right, is specifically made. Like, so if you made a movie this year about something that happened 20 years ago, you could, I guess that's considered a period piece, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all I'm shooting for is looking for looking for where the definition is. It's something I've wondered before. Yeah, the terminology is is you're right is is when you specifically make something. It's really interesting because when I think of things that age a movie, it's in the style usually that I'm talking about. Like because it's like dog shit. It's not modern. There's so much better now, so that will age a movie for me. But it's not the period when it's shot. That's yeah. I think uh, and I think Brent got to an interesting point around period piece. Because I hadn't quite thought about what makes a period piece, quote unquote, and can this be considered one? I'd say probably not. It's, uh, but it is about a specific piece of time, and and not much about the way this is movie done ages it, except for like they're using old technology. But it seems right for what they're doing. Like you accept that this is 1992, right? Yeah, yeah nothing. The, the definition is when you set out to make so Master and Commander, when you set out to make a movie that took place in a certain period of time yeah and that that definitely wasn't this so yeah this isn't wouldn't be considered that but once again you understand through throughout the movie that this this is earlier on in the history and it doesn't i don't think that that negatively affects this movie it does some but i don't think it does this do you do you guys think it does no, I, I don't I don't think this being like of a time is is any indication of, of quality on this movie. I think um, whoever said it, John, I think maybe was that the technology um, being dated isn't a isn't a deal breaker for the movie. It's everything. And I, and I think it's done really well because there's nothing in there with that technology that makes it so you don't assume what's happening. Like the technology is not so far removed or that the the plan is not ever so complicated that you're like what the fuck is a flipometer or whatever the fuck do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and you're not looking for like these mysterious like attachments cuz the cuz the technology's just so gone like if you think about the kids that are born after this movie that could be watching it i mean those are full grown men now so um they wouldn't just have an eye on this technology but i feel like you wouldn't miss anything by watching this movie not understanding like, no you could, get I think you get it all exactly like how um, uh, how like talented Whistler is like I don't know anything that he how can he listen to 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 like audio while Dan Aykroyd's pushing on different wires and be like this is the one we need but he does and he does it in a few other scenes I can tell this is what we're looking for because I can hear the the exit lights or whatever the fuck like I I buy it because it's 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 complicated enough that I don't know what's going on but I don't feel stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm more now I'm like, oh God, look what they had to do. Like any interface that like, how did he get Janix box to plug into whatever computer he was using? And then he asked for a diagnostic and he gets brought a kit and he's like reading Braille. And I'm like, I don't understand any of what's going on here, but I get the end result. 
and what they're able to do. And it's definitely different from today when you just have like a little box you'd plug in via USB and then you'd be breaking all the codes in the world using unrealistic graphic user interface. (laughs) Like who did those animations? That's not how shit works. (laughs) But anyway, that didn't bother me. It was I think they I think actually they did take a lot of made a lot of time and effort in this movie to try and make everything feel somewhat believable. And I think that goes back to the writing. Um, uh, and, uh, I, I, so like, let's talk about the beginning of the script. I think it was a great way, um, to establish what happened in the past with the flashback, um, where him and his friend were hacking into the computers and uh, giving away, uh, money, Richard Nixon's money to, <laughs> to, what was it again? The, uh, the, uh, organization for met for the use of marijuana or something like that or yeah a bunch of yeah. a bunch of they were giving republican money away to a bunch of left organizations Hippies, yeah. yeah which was really <laughs> funny and, and it, that was funny and and it well established the kind of people those characters that they were they even said like stuff like power to the people and they're like radical and like wanted to be or wanted to be radicals who are who are making big differences and then one of them gets caught and the other gets away yep and uh, I think that's a great way of establishing the uh, the the uh, thing that that uh, his character, uh, Martin's character, car- was carrying with him all these years. And then you get the fun and games of them breaking into the bank and not exactly knowing why they're breaking into the bank. And then and then uh, they get the money and and you think he's going to walk out of the bank with the money after he gets the suitcase. But he walks upstairs and plops it down in front of all of the bank executives and starts explaining to them why he was able to steal money from their bank. Uh, I, I think that's a really smart setup. And it's entertaining and fun. You get to meet all of the characters and kind of get their personalities. There's a lot of characterization in this movie, too, as well. well there's a lot of characters, and, and that's surprising with the characterization. I guess I should say also that um, I'll just continue along with the story a little bit here that... Yeah, uh, Martin Bryce, uh, who's now Martin Bishop, uh, runs a little company and they do basically like security assessments by breaking into places so that they can stop people from breaking into their places and exploiting their shit. Almost for free if you take their uh, I th- their, their first check looked like 2200 bucks, and they got like a, a seven-man crew, six-man crew. Plus and equipment they got, like, and everything That else. office, yeah, there's no way. Hopefully I, it was, was 22000 if it was twenty two thousand, that would be more the right price. But twenty two hundred, the guy not legitimately stole a hundred thousand dollars from the bank. So they could have just stolen that money. Like the bank <laughs> needs to pay more yeah. money to a guy that's that intimately involved with their security. Definitely twenty two hundred um, bucks. I'm coming right back for that hundred grand. <laughs> Fuck your twenty two hundred dollars. What the hell? Jeez, uh, even for the eighties or whenever. So, yeah, the boys break into a bank, they steal money, they give it back, uh, and they get their paycheck, and then they're back at their home office, chilling out, poor as fuck, when two people show up, not looking the best, they're kind of sleazy, these guys, and they seem to know who Martin really is and about all his past, and um, they want to throw that in his face. So they tell him about a job, and he does the job, and then things go fucking sideways, and governments get involved, and uh, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and uh, the mafia are all involved in this tech race for Janik's little black box. I leave message on service, but you do not call. That's it. Um, yeah, so will they get away? Will they get the box? Will the world be safe? 
in this battle for in this battle for information. <laughs> Uh, with this super all-star stud cast. But yeah, I, I do like the start of this movie a lot because it, it gives us the fun and games right away, but also solidifies almost every member of the team's expertise because yeah. they're doing a really complicated thing really smoothly, even if there are a few trips and blackface here and there. Yeah. Um, but they get the job done and you're instantly like liking everybody. Um, and it must felt feel like such a badass to like go get a hundred grand and then walk upstairs and then start dumping it on the table in front of a room of stunned executives. And you're like, you thought we were just having a status update meeting today. Didn't you about how we couldn't get in? Here's a hundred thousand dollars. Motherfuckers now pay us. That all works great. Um, and instantly when, um, uh, Martin starts acting a little strange, pushing really hard to go on this mission without doing probably a proper background check on these supposed NSA guys. But I buy that in this movie because they do. Redford does a really great job of being like this super nerve guy who's nervous about his past. He's always got a shadow, and most of their team does, which is another interesting kind of development that that they all share. So, yeah, this movie gets going in a hurry and gets me smiling along the way. You know what, Brent? I think you put it best in comparing this movie to uh, another series of very popular movies, and this would have come before them. Mm-hmm. Ocean's Eleven, I feel. Um, it just got that same charm with the, the cast of characters that all kind of like, they vibe really well together, which is like something that I think personally this movie um, really benefits from um, is that the characters, there's not like always this conflict between the characters and this tension between the characters. The characters actually seem to enjoy each other somewhat. They spend a ton of time together and um and they're like you said there's a lot of fun and games there's a lot that feels like fun and games and i think that's why the movie feels like it moves along as well as it does because i mean we watched this with my girlfriend and she did not like it she told me afterwards she found it to be incredibly boring <laughs> um and she loves boring movies so let huh? that take a you know what it will but um but i found this movie to move along a little better than that because i find that the characters dynamic between them the way that they can interplay um and maintain like those small bits of tension um without it being like overdrawn into big dramatic uh conflict i think that that would ruin it otherwise i think the movie would become too thick and it, it loses its fun i i think it's something that not a lot of people do is they think that everything needs to have conflict instead of tension. I think tension is the key, right? I, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And like you get little things like where'd you get the 50 bucks for these downtown plans from mother's wallet. Everyone mm-hmm. has a good chuckle and we move on. Right. So you can tell they rib each other. They fuck with each other. Um, mother and, um, uh, Sydney Poitier's character like can't stand each other, but when the shit hits the fan and like, it's time for business, like there's none better than you complete trust. Yeah. They're able to flip around like that, like really, really well. I think, I think in this case, even better than, um, than parts of, um, Ocean's Eleven because, but some of the characters are more caustic in Ocean's Eleven and, and those oceans, there's always like a really off the chain members of the team. And this doesn't really have that. This doesn't go to the same level of silliness, I guess. It's, oh, totally. it's, it, it goes with the, the lighter, but, but a little more serious. And it's a balance I really, really enjoyed. And I enjoy Notions 11 too. Like that over the top silliness is 
I find it good. But if I compare the two levels of silliness, I'm more of a this kind kind of person. I like a little mm-hmm. bit more serious, like higher stakes that feel bigger and more real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause the tone is more grounded in like in, in something I think that's relatable. I don't think people can relate necessarily to breaking into a huge casino for that. But I think yeah. everyone has this part of their brain where they've imagined getting in trouble with the government. Um, and and like and and imagined like just the the thought experiment about like would I run if I needed to like if I got implicated in something or would I like hang around and get caught like what is the move here right so these guys like obviously like you said this is turned up but I do find these stakes to be a little bit more bought in and it is a less silly world I think those are great points it's gotta it's gotta be that way too because we're talking about espionage and like world stakes right like country collapse and bankrupting like businesses and things like that which is just bigger than what happens in oceans and oceans they're all thieves and whatever these guys aren't these guys have some seedy backgrounds but not because they're horrible people or you know um they just got some they got some skeletons in their closet and and it's interesting to learn a little bit about them and every character kind of has their moment to shine and yet none of them steals from anyone else and and redford like confidently takes the lead here and like he kills it. Everyone kills it. There's like great acting across the board in this movie. For, I think I think this movie is much better than Ocean's Eleven because of all the reasons you guys talked about. And not only that, but but uh, even though there's a little bit of this in Ocean's Eleven, I mean, you really feel these guys are underdogs. They uh, they're they're all kind of geniuses at what they do, and that kind of gets explained when the the fake NSA agents show up. And they start listing off all of their um, the people that work for him and like how they were caught breaking the law or stealing or whatever they were caught doing. And uh, how even uh, Sidney Poitier's character was was some for some reason let go from the CIA, but no one knows why. So once again, like they have like a really talented crew, but they're all a little troubled and they're all a little... Uh, yeah, it's like David and Goliath. It's the government against this ragtag group of guys. Like one yeah. of these guys on a team of people would like be an outcast, but these guys as a team is a is a unit, right? That's interesting. It's like Suicide Squad, I guess. If yeah, it's any good. So an and there's so game. and there's so much great humor in the van. There's there's I mean, how how many great scenes are there in movies about the guys in the van? Like in True Lies, are um, you know yeah. with. Uh, but in this movie, there's like, it's almost always great scenes of the guys in the van, whether they're like trying to help him out of a jam when he gets caught and they're like feeding him lines and uh, they start saying shit he shouldn't say, like, um, and make sure you give him head as much as he wants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Redford almost says it. Yeah. Or when they're watching him, um, the scientist and his, his, his girlfriend having sex. And they're all coming up to the camera trying to get a peek. Yeah. And Sydney Sydney Poitier like tries to be mature and screams at River Phoenix, but then he sneaks up behind Redford and he's like, Hey, hey, do me do me take a look. Yeah. <laughs> and Redford moves <laughs> out of the way so he could see. It's like and then all of the conversations between uh Aykroyd and Poitier about um the CIA and cow mutilations and the fake moon landing and the Kennedy assassination. All that stuff still works, shockingly. Um, I think that's uh, great. It's not over the head. No, yeah. but it but it's also st- also still those those kind of topics seem relevant. Like 
how how much talk is there today about the world being flat and the moon landing being fake and a surprisingly uh, huge amount yeah. yeah a ton a ton so that almost it's almost funny that they make his character seem super crazy because of these theories and now there's like 20 or 30 percent of the population we're finding out who are just like Dan Aykroyd's character and they love conspiracies and they love to believe that things aren't true and and they love to think that all this crazy shit is real just like Aykroyd's character I mean it's don't get me wrong some of the crazy shit is true but like the stuff he's talking <laughs> about is hilarious yeah yeah, I figure maybe Dan Aykroyd just ad-libbed most of that because he's he's pretty out there with his thinking. Yeah, in maybe, general, but I, I I feel like his character though was I mean all of these characters are really specifically well written. He uh, builds to a point later where he just picks up a paper and goes more cow mutilations, and Poitier <laughs> just yells at him to shut up. It's uh, yeah, it's it's awesome the way that they do that. Yeah, it is really funny. Um, um, it's just it's the fun other, to spend time with these guys. Yeah, no, I agree. You want to, and you, you never miss a beat. You're, you're like, it's tense. It's funny. You're with them the whole way. And, and they're like with each other when they have disagreements, it's minor. Like by the next day, it's all okay. I thought about it. I was wrong. You thought about it. You were wrong. I still don't agree with you. Okay. But we're going to do it. Okay. I'm with you. You know, all yeah. that shit is resolved. So there's not a lot of. There's, there's a lot of external stakes, right? So you don't need that much on the internal team. You just need a little bit of shit to break up the characters. and um, and But you don't let it linger too long. And, and you still have them as a unit by the end of it. Um, asking for <laughs> FBI agents' phone numbers. And didn't use a 555 number, which was interesting. I thought she Probably did say 555. Number. Did not. Oh, nice. Especially for 92, that's interesting. I like how they set all that stuff up so well in the beginning too and they're all talking about what they're going to do with the money and they all have like these things and at the end they all they all get what they wanted um, which is also kind of great that the the NSA has to pay for Aykroyd's Winnebago and he has to send uh, Sidney Poitier and his wife to, to not only Europe but Tahiti um, he's like oh, I have never been to Europe and then yep. they start listing off the countries yeah. And then someone says Tahiti, and then, of course, he's like, Tahiti is not in Europe. Hey, once you get the box, you can give us geography lessons. Until then, this man goes, <laughs> this man to, goes Tahiti. to Tahiti. <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue yeah. is great in this movie, too, and, and well-delivered. Yeah, the, the, um, the espionage, too, if you follow it on the way through, like they're told to get a black box. They don't know what it is. They go to the guy to steal it and figure out he's a cryptographer. And then like little bits are revealed, little bits are revealed. And then, um, Liz played by Mary McDonnell, um, also in, uh, dances with wolves. Um, who's really interesting character in this. I want to talk about in a second, but, and she's like, I bet he did it. I bet he solved like the whole thing. He's like what he's talking about, breaking these, breaking these impossible numbers um, with with cr his crazy formula. Um, and it kind of starts putting all the pieces together and then the Russians get involved and um, it's actually, then they actually explain, like maybe the Russians knew nothing about it, but as soon as, um, as soon as Cosmo knows that the Russian guy and his driver know about the black box and they've likely not talked to anyone else because cell phones in this day and age, not really yeah. a hugely popular thing. So like they couldn't just like text, I'm on my way with, this guy like no one would know what happened so it all ends up they, they thread things together decently well to 
to, to, to create the stakes that we need and why they want this box and what they're going to use it for. Uh, I love when mm -hmm. he takes him into the car too and he's getting to look at photos to point out the people that he's been dealing with. And then when he lands on that one guy, Wallace or whatever, he's just like, he's just like, you should like, you should like disappear. He's like, you've disappeared. And he's like, why? Who did he work for? And before he can say, the cops pull him over and he's like, do you want asylum in this car? Do you want asylum? You can tell me if you want asylum. I'll give you asylum. He's like, who is it? And then they, it's, it's that great tension that's built about, about that guy's reaction to, to who it is he's been dealing with. Yeah, but it also like makes me think like for Redford because he ends up like getting out of the car and he doesn't know who he can trust, but he's like pretty sure it's not the Russians, right? And so he's like, I think I'd rather kind of face the music, <laughs> but then shit goes sideways because those weren't cops. No. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it gets those dots connected um, and I don't find myself being confused by what's going on. Like I said, it it's, 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 looks complicated, but not confusing. Yeah, and it's really uh, really about like the uh, the characters trying to like they're all they they all get entangled into it, right? So <laughs> so none of them could like just walk away from this situation. No, they're they're all stuck in it. Uh, like the stakes are just as high. Like they're not just high for Martin anymore, but all of them have now committed a huge crime. They've stole something from the NSA. Okay, so let's talk about negatives. <laughs> okay, oh, so God. there are some negatives in this movie, and a lot of it is is with with things that aren't believable. So the NSA created this box; they sponsored it, they paid a lot of money for this guy to create it, and then they didn't protect it at all. They just had it sitting on his desk, where someone could kick in the door and walk in and just grab it. Yeah. So I mean. I never noticed that before, but after yeah. watching it this time, that's definitely a little silly and doesn't make a lot of sense. Cosmo is better at protecting the box than the government of the United States is. Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense that the that Cosmo's building is is like the NSA and the NSA is like <laughs> is like the fucking uh place that that runs the the jukeboxes or whatever do you know what i mean like one of those coin operated laundry fucking securities it's a it's bad and the plan is bad frequently throughout too um and i'm having trouble remembering what my oh, main I, sticking point the other night was it's I, the I working hours of the nsa brent the working because <laughs> they, they, they do their heist right and they steal this black box and they start to even figure out what it is but any, they decide uh, we can't we can't just take it and drop it off to the NSA and close our contract. No, we'll do it in the morning because well, the NSA keeps that regular bugs business the shit hours. Out of me. It's it like, bugs me too, but they cover for it with dialogue. They say we have a meeting to drop it off at nine a.m. Like yes, not but much why? But that's the thing is that that's stupid dialogue to cover up a stupid idea. If it's really someone coming to get this. They're coming to get it instantly. They're like, yeah, they they're waiting it, right? outside of the area. They're like, no, you're going fair. in to get it, and we're going to meet you like I, at the absolutely. nearest intersection for I, a quick I, switch I, off. I could not I could not agree more. They yeah. stole it during the day. Especially these guys. These guys were professional fucking hackers, basically, and breakers in of things. Like, their curiosity is endless, and they're all super geniuses. And you're going to leave the world's biggest fucking uh, secret to them like the yeah, thing no, that can like, decode everything obviously that's what they're gonna do 
I do love Sidney Poitier's line that that makes Martin want to keep Liz there, though. And he's like, there's not a government on this world that wouldn't kill every one of us for that thing. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah, I mean, and oh, he's totally right. Without that, absolutely, and without that tension, though, and them playing with the box, I mean, it, I, I'm not sure how else you would have been able to write it so that they could have the time to discover. Of course. What? But I'm just trying to, th- I'm just trying to rack my brain and figure out why it is that they have to hold on to it for like 12 more hours without giving it to the guys who hired them. To they have the little. I like that they have the party though, and they celebrate their success and. And uh, they're gonna get the hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, and they're all excited and stuff. So yeah, I, the money I, is that them. enough, like, to forgive su- such a like? Yeah, because a lot of the time they they hype up how how more powerful this box is and and how crazy it is, but then a lot of the time it doesn't make any sense how how unguarded it was or. Like, yeah. why the NSA wasn't having this created in, like, a fucking army base? Like, why was it being created in some guy's condo <laughs> with, yeah. with soldering with guns? With open windows. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, with soldering guns in his condominium in, like, some building with low security. You're dead on um, about that. It would be a military yeah. uh, place. And they're giving him millions of dollars to do this, so... Even if he was doing it in secret, you you wouldn't have it being out in the open like it was. No, it would be under lock and key, man. But once again, all of the fun and games happened in those moments, like when he breaks in and runs into the woman, and she, he he lies to her that he's married. I, I love how that's the lie he comes up with, and then he's waiting for everybody else to give him some help, and then they're like, "You got us stumped." <laughs> <laughs> That's like so great, and you wouldn't be able to have those moments had it had they not written it this way. So, yeah. fuck, it's 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 tough. I mean, you would have had to have really reworked the script to fix these these kind of these silly plot holes. It's not a it, that's not a, that one's not a game breaker. It just it it stood out as soon as Brent said it. I was like, yeah, like there's no way is, those guys yeah. would let it happen. Just let them keep it. But but you know what? It is super tense when they do check the box out and figure out what it is. Um, and yeah. it's also cool. How, it's also cool how um, how awesome they make Whistler at what he does. Um, Whistler's like awesome. Stuff. Yeah, he's and just the glasses. A, I love the reflection of the coating yeah. and the in his giant glasses and stuff. Like the directing in this movie is very very good. Yep. The writing. This guy, this guy never is directed very good. much, man. Some of all fears. This. Um, yeah. uh, uh, Field of Dreams. And an episode, uh, the first episode of Band of Brothers would be probably the notable things in his file. Wow. It's, um, all four of those things are very, very good things. Those things are, those things are, are good. I don't remember some of all fears, but I, I, I know that, um, the rest, like I know Band of Brothers very well and this obviously is recent, but, um, but I mean that like, it's weird that a guy that's, that's clearly competent, um, is not working more. I mean, there's a big, there's a big spread in his career where he did nothing from like 2000 to 2017. And then he created some show that's went for like five seasons, but, um, but a big span where he wasn't working. And I just wonder like if that's by choice or, or was there some kind of a thing? No, that's fair. It could have been by choice. Also, this industry is so fucked that like you can win like an Academy award and be like a fucking like a list actor one day. 
and then you could be fucking skid well and no one wants to put you in anything in the next yeah it's it's such a fickle industry it's tough man even if you're doing good projects like think about how popular um field of dreams alone was yeah like that was a hugely successful and popular movie you think you could do anything you wanted after that but it's tough, man. And uh, this is, was a very popular movie too. Johnny, did you ever look up how much this made, or was it was it a success in the box? Yeah, box? yeah, yeah. It made a hundred mil on a twenty three million dollar budget. Yeah, and a so hundred million big. in the nineties is yeah. great. Yeah, that's a good haul. Now Yo, it's a billion. Now is fucking nice. Yeah, now you it's do a bill. A, now you got to do a billion, but but a hundred million back then was great. Uh, and on that budget, they like it was three over three times the budget. It's not a bad haul. Yeah, and then I, this movie was, I bet you, was very popular on VHS. I'd have to, I'd, you would think That's so. When I discovered With this it cast, right? Like the cast, it might not have received a lot of acclaim, but like there's not much to hate about this movie unless you're just not into old technology now, <laughs> I guess. But yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think this movie would like be over people's heads. I'd be interested to know why, um, uh, why Hills didn't like this. Like just, she well, thought that? it was boring. She She's thought boring. it dragged. Yeah, she thought it dragged really. Uh, she thought it was like a very a lot, dialogue heavy. A lot of dudes. Um, it is very it's a, it's dialogue a lot of, heavy. It's a lot of dudes talking. Yes, you know. she, she, it's, that's absolutely true what you guys are saying. Not only that, but there is a section of this movie Not where that she's it does, opposed to dudes talking, but I guess it's like that. just it didn't energize her the way um, that maybe it could have. Hmm. Well, and so the other thing that it, this movie does is that cliche where it puts a woman in one woman in the movie and she thinks all of the guys are silly or idiots. And uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy are many, many yeah. other movies where where the girl thinks the guys are are stupid. Right. And like, yeah. why? Why? Are, why is she hanging out with them? Like they come, they invade her home, they take over, and she's always like rolling her eyes and being like, "Who the fuck are these guys? What? Are they, why did I let them in my home?" <laughs> so that's kind of like not great for a girl to watch. Like, well, you know, there's not a lot there for a woman to, you know, get nice. behind. Like, like her character in this, she's basically a genius. She's a real smart lady, and she like aids in yeah, educating an uh, yeah. prodigies, right? She's like mm-hmm. works with gifted children. So she herself is likely very gifted and she does kind of give some good insight. And um, like she reads Werner really well, even though there's been Ben Kingsley says there's no way they get matched. She kind of mm-hmm. indicated that they're actually perfect for each other. Um, but, but still I find like maybe her character was a little bit underused in some of those ways. Cause yeah, there's a lot of scenes where she's just, being the typical woman to like lure Brandis, um, uh, like uh, not the typical woman, Jesus Christ, no, the typical like <laughs> uh, uh, stereotypical, female, yeah, female flaky, character, like flaky, beautiful female stereo, character, yeah. ha ha, he he, and like she's playing the the, the acting at that, right? Yeah. Um, I'm glad I corrected myself back there. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think that was a good correction. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, <laughs> my brain was thinking something totally different. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, then she's like at home and and there, she's like annoyed that they're using up her nice space. Um, yeah. So she I just I wonder ref- could there have been a bit more for her? She even refers to when he first comes to her as like he hangs out in a boys' club and yeah. And like he's like a little kid hanging out with his friends or whatever, 
So she like disregards him and what he does, him and his team do as like, you know, silly or um, not, not up to her standards because she is like high society intellectual person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why he wants her to come. Well, he really wants her to come with him to that thing because he's really still in love with her and wants to get back together with her. Yes. Well, you didn't need the scene. You didn't need the ending line where she agrees and walks out and he like fist pumps and says yes. Like, (laughs) Like you could have cut some things in this movie. So the section where they have to find out where the box is and they have to like do all the devices and they talk about how to break in and how he's going to... That's the section where it kind of gets slow for sure. But yeah. I don't, at the same time, I still enjoy all that stuff. And I feel like it it's still fun and and full of information and characterization. It's entertaining. Yeah, it'd be hard. This would be a hard movie to edit just because the some of the fat that's there to trim is just done really well or is interesting or is just that little extra characterization, which spread over you know six seven characters is not too much for any one person no Um, so there'd be really hard choices to make so i I don't hate the runtime of this movie at the end of the day i think no likely you you could chop a little bit ten five or ten minutes out of here somewhere maybe and not hurt it but not much more than that because everything is so connected like everything is a setup like the stuff with the with the uh, motion sensors and uh, turning up the temperature and the voice trap that he has to get through and her going on the date to get the voice. Like, I love the date between him and her and that was I thought that was all really great fun and games as well. Hmm. And she's good in all of those scenes and like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I just, I, I this movie's just enjoyable to me. Here's Here's a question for you. The character Cosmo, played by Sir Ben Kingsley, um, at times he stretches the truth to like win a particular argument, and I maybe was a little bit confused at how exactly things fit in at the end. So maybe a few questions, if you don't mind, would be, is he the mafia kingpin, or is he a mafia stooge, and he's just caught up in it? Or is he acting on his own? Because I got the sense he worked for people. I get the impression he works for people, but has since elevated himself to the level where he is also quite formidable. Um, and I think that he maybe has like his own thing going on, but is also still providing services. It would be my guess. Cause like when, when Martin um, is knocked out twice um, and has a pistol like smashed into the top of his head and doesn't have a <laughs> uh, concussion or anything like that. Um, they take him to Cosmo's office and then Cosmo has a little chat with him and makes, makes it seem like his office is bugged. And then they go into the quiet room, the server room or whatever. And then they continue the talk. But then by the end of it, he's like, he won't team up with me. I just knock him out and send him away. Um, I don't know. That was just like confusing in what he said and did. And I couldn't tell when he was gaming to get what he wanted and when he was telling the truth about his scenario. So I, I agree with you. The thing that bothered me about Cosmo this time, um, I think Brent's right because he points up in the air like the room is bugged and then he wants to go in there and talk uh, about like, you know, like what he, wa- what he wants to do with the box. Not about protecting right. his, his the people he works for, but he has his own agenda 
that he doesn't want them to know about where he's gonna like do crazy shit and uh but but the thing that bothers me is that at the at the, the end of the movie when marty breaks back in he's like i can't kill my friend kill my friend and then when he's on the roof he can't kill marty and he wants him to stay and I think that's must have that's what they should have rewritten because when he first meets with Cosmo in Cosmo's uh, office, Cosmo like basically um, goes in and changes the FBI record so they're gonna catch him for killing two people with that gun, and then and then knocks him out and throws him out onto the street, but that's not how Cosmo actually feels about him at the end of the movie. He wants him to stay. So what he should have done in that scene was ask Marty if Marty wanted to join him and Marty should have turned him down and said absolutely not I don't want to be a part of this craziness and then he knocks him out but then there's not the stakes of you don't have the stakes of him being caught for a murder but but they still have trouble to deal with about the box because they stole the box from the NSA is that not enough because does that make sense to you guys why would he do that to Marty and then at the end be like stay and like i need someone to do this with like i'm he's he seems lonely and he doesn't well, want to do this alone i got the it's sense he was bipolar he was trying to talk him into it <laughs> yeah well he got to wonder right and like it's okay if he's if he's crazy because he definitely seems off balance like i if they hadn't had the scene where martin ran up to the window in, in 1960s when they were when cosmo was getting arrested like Marty at least went back as far as he could to warn him. And like, I'm, I was pissed that Cosmo didn't recognize that. Instead, he seemed to blame Marty for not getting caught. And really like, that's bullshit. Anyway, so I, I always thought he was a little bit unstable because that was his uh, his, his perspective on things. At his least it MO. Like yeah, it. I just feel like if he would have said, join me at the time and Marty said, absolutely not. Like you have to give this box back. You You shouldn't have this box. It's too much power for anyone to have. And then he's like, "Oh well." And then he he could not he could have those guys come in and get rid of Marty. And yeah, then I mean, Marty still has to get the box back. But this way, he was like basically sending him to jail. And then at the end, he didn't want to kill him or send him to jail. He wanted him to join him. So I think him joining him should have been the initial meeting. That's the it thing was I though he did ask him, and he only he only put his name in the database and kicked his ass out after he said no. He didn't want to join him. Did he say that? Yeah. I don't remember him yeah, ever yeah, saying yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the server room, he's like, he's, they were reminiscent about old times. And he's like, remember, Marty, we, we were going to change the world. And, and he's like, we still could. And he's like, no fucking way, you crazy dick. And he's like, fine, I'm going to send. He's, then he's petulant, right? With his response. But, that, but that's, that's okay. True. But why send him to jail? Because <laughs> he was why in. Do, why get the revenge? Because it doesn't seem like he wants revenge, except for that one bad part of writing where he wants revenge and wants him to experience prison like he experienced prison. That just seems to come out of nowhere for me. Yeah. And I feel like it was a stakes raise that didn't need to be in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just me, but no, no, maybe it, I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, we also talked a little bit like what are the statute of limitations on on a thing like that where maybe even like if Cosmo when he was arrested said I acted alone or didn't admit that Martin was there there'd be no one even close to looking for him um so I don't know why no, people were looking for him and it wasn't about that though he said when the FBI ch- checks the fingerprints on the gun they're gonna find your print fingerprints for Martin Bryce for shooting that Russian guy yeah. in the limo and then when they when they go to your records they're gonna find your alias is Martin Bishop 
So he's going to go to jail for murder. That for sure. That he did like that day. <laughs> There's no statute of limitations for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good point because that was also um, a pretty big sticking point is that this guy's like obviously 30 plus years later. Yeah. He would never yeah. do time for their little their dalliances when they were in college. Well, yeah, actually. And that's before the shooting thing. So, yeah. So like why he was running from that still and, and the threat of that, like, you know, we know who you are, Mr. Bryce. And the end, I'm like, the NSA is here like 40 years later. Like, what do you you call a lawyer? Yeah. And then you kind of call your lawyer. Yeah. I'd say allegedly if this happened of everything except for seeking, uh, professionals. Yeah. Like when well, he needs surgery, again, does he just grab a rusty spoon and a fucking knife? But What's once going again, on? call a fucking lawyer, Marty. <laughs> Dr- drilling down through all of this, it it doesn't make sense. But when you're watching the movie, it moves quickly. You just, you just get caught up in the. That's why I'm surprised that uh, that she didn't. She thought the movie was slow because I thought it actually it it moved quite well. It's because but, they're like. They're like obstacle, plan, 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 do the obstacle. Defeat, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And then, oh, obstacle, plan, 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 study, talk about the thing, and then do the thing. Like, it's. I like that. I mean, that, I though. get. <laughs> I like that I, so much. I know, I know, but it's for some people. Like, this movie isn't universal. There are some no. movies that I would no, say that's fair. That's are fair. closer to universal movies, right? Yeah. Um, Oh, this, this is definitely not that, yeah. No, and I think we like this because we all like gadgetry and we all like caper and heist movies and yes, we all like totally. like, oh, yeah. like cheering for the, like you called them, the underdogs. And they're like, you know, they're like the lovable scoundrels is what it is. So it's you <laughs> yeah. want to see it, man. Yeah. And um, I mean, I guess the, the Ocean's Eleven isn't for everybody either. You're right. It is in the same vein. Once again, I think this is better than Ocean's Eleven. But, 100% but it agree, is, yeah. It's Ocean's Eleven is ruined by the ending. The way that they have fucking Andy Garcia go over the entire plan, like everyone watching that fucking movie's a mongoloid, is beyond <laughs> gross. That should never have made a cut. If they, like, did you really think it was so complicated that we weren't fucking following along as they built a fake vault and did all the fucking fake stuff? Like, we could, we could get there. You know, yeah, yeah no, or show it, true. yeah, because this movie doesn't do that. The, the fake outs that surprise you are like sleight of hand, um, yeah. sleight of hand, and and um, like un- unraveling anagrams. Like that's as complicated as this gets. And then there's a whole bunch of techie shit, but you don't yeah. need to get it. You just need to see them succeed, and that it's difficult. And who else could do that? Only Whistler. And you're like, fuck yeah, Whistler. He's a superhero. And yeah, he really hey, is. What- what year is what year is Scent of a Woman? I'm gonna uh, say ninety. Oh, I was gonna say ninety three, but I think I was it's gonna actually say ninety four. Like but uh, uh, ninety two. So same year. Wow. Shit. So, I should have oh stuck God, with my original. That's, that's what's so <laughs> funny to me is so in both movies have a blind person driving a vehicle, and this movie is not only this movie is a million times more believable. And and a million times more fun than Scent of a Woman, because Whistler actually crashes into trees, cars, and a building, drives over gigantic, um, like not even not even uh, parking uh, blocks, but big giant like what would you even call those things? The things that separate the parking lot. 
the barriers. <laughs> yeah, the big, and it's so funny. And yeah. I love how he drives into the. He's like five seconds and then hit the brakes and he drives into the wall yeah. to stop. Like all of that worked for me so well, and I thought it was so funny. Um, I guess if you could see, like if you were a seeing blind guy, this would be your movie, right? You'd yeah. be like, this is like representation matters. And this is as a blind guy, how you want to be represented. Like, sure, I can't see, but I am like gifted and uh, I have my own fucking ways of seeing, right? Yeah. You know, people can use echolocation. They can actually teach themselves echolocation, yeah. like a fucking dolphin or a bat. Like, that's crazy. Dolphin I sit bat. in the coffee shop. I sit in the coffee shop and write, and there's a blind guy that lives somewhere in my neighborhood. And I see him going for his walks, and and I'm like shocked at how, um, how good he is at getting around with zero sight. It's amazing to me. Like I marvel when I watch him, like crossing yeah. the streets and finding where the sidewalk is, and like people are in his way, and he gets around them, can tell that they're there, and he can move out of the way without walking into the street. It's shocking to me. He's a but strong I mean, puncher. People just get out of his way. It, if you've been doing it your whole life, I guess, I mean, it just becomes second nature, but yep, it's still amazing to me what they, they say can your, do. Your other senses heighten, so. That is what I've heard. But anyway, Whistler is one of my Orgasm favorite characters in this wicked. movie. Oh, yeah. And River yeah, Phoenix, brilliant. sad, sad to see uh, what he, he could have been, he could have, uh, he could have been like anything. <laughs> he could have been <laughs> yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, he could have been. Uh, he could have been a uh, like you know like where he would have been today as an actor. It would have been remarkable what he would have done, the things he, the roles he would have played, the things he would have accomplished. He has some. In, he has an interesting range in the movies you get to see him in. Yeah. Um like it, 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 as the young Indiana Jones, and then in in this one he was. Um, I forget the other one that he's well known for. Stand by me. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you, you and my some, own private Idaho, I think. Yeah. I guess there is two movies that looks like that came out after this, in '93. So this this wasn't the last movie that was released that he was in, but I think it was the last movie he shot. If There's I'm not one mistaken. from like 2012 or something that he's in. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing that. I don't know what that means though. I'm confused by footage. that too. That's got to be a doc or something like that. Oh, that is the Stand By Me footage. It's it's after a footage or something. It's a special... Deleted scenes and all yeah, the yeah, yeah. scenes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The other ones is like 94 is the most recent, right? Yeah. Yeah, 93, yeah. So the year after this movie came out, there's two other movies that came out. <clears throat> but he, yeah, he's really good in this. He's really funny and charming. Is he in and the, the movie about the boys' school that gets attacked by terrorists or no. drug lords? No, oh, I know what you're talking about, though. It's I'm called Toy Soldiers. Toy Soldiers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is not him. It's Will Wheaton. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and there's Sean, a bunch of people in it. Uh, uh, what's his name? Sean. Yeah, Sean Austin. Yeah, Sean, Sean Austin. Austin is Sean that? Austin's yeah. the main. He leads it. He's like badass. That's true. That's true. And there's like, they kill people in that. Will we Wheaton gets his fucking list. chest blown out. It's crazy. Poor there's, Will. Poor Will. There's... It sounds like everybody's thinking this is holding up. Or is there anything anyone else wanted to talk about? Don't any tell other me negatives? how to think. Steven Tablowski. Brandis. I forgot to mention him when I was going oh. over the actors. Um, the music. The music is way. The music mix. Is oh yeah, way the mix too was way too loud. loud. What the fuck? Yeah. 
Maybe it was it, what we were listening to it on, uh, but no. But like the in certain so. scenes, the music is so high it detracts from the dialogue. And and I was think I was saying in one of the main montage scenes in the middle, um, the music's just cranking loud. But people are saying funny or interesting things that are like characterizing them, or at least worth a chuckle. And the movie's playing it off as if it doesn't fucking matter. And it bugged me. Yeah, yeah real me too. Loud. It's really bad. It's like it's it's kind of. I'm I'm shocked how bad it is. James Horner did the music for it, though. I mean, but I bet he didn't do the bad. levels. The, yeah, the music's <laughs> not bad. The music's actually quite good. It's Turn it, it is the levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of the jazzy yeah. stuff. Um, the music, the directing, the writing, and the acting is all good in this movie. Yeah, this is prose at work. I'll go first. It holds up. Um, yeah. There I said it. I don't know. It's just like I have fond memories of this movie because 92 I would have been high school and this would have been really a cool movie with cool things going on. Um, and it just kind of always brings me back a little bit. And uh, it's pleasant. It's very pleasant watch. So I'd say check it out. You thought it would suck? Yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't suck. I, I, <laughs> I, I agree that it holds up, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find it and buy it so I can always own it because this is a movie that now that I've seen it again I'll definitely watch it. This would be a movie I'll rewatch a bunch just because it just makes me happy to watch this movie. It makes it the time goes by fast and I enjoy it. If I was in a bad mood, this is the movie that a movie that I would put on. True story. Brentos. Um. No, I I enjoyed the movie. I'll say it holds up. I won't say it's perfect. No, nope. um, oh, it's not. No, of course not. <laughs> it's definitely not that. But it does hold up as far as like like is this movie still a good movie? Is this movie still an enjoyable movie? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I I like it. I didn't I didn't find it to drag. Actually, if I think about it, I thought that uh, I like the gadgetry. I like the the espionage. I like the the heistiness, and all these actors are fucking great. And seeing them together is something. I mean, it's really rare. There's, there's the the cast here is such a mix. Uh, Sidney Poitier and Robert Redford, you could see them together anywhere. But Aykroyd and River Phoenix and and uh, what's his face, E. Blindy McBlind, Sir Sims. David Stratham. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think that's his name. Sorry, Stephen Stratham. Um, David. David. Stratham. Sorry again. Stratham. Stephen David Stratham. Love you. Yeah, no, it holds up. It's 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 a good movie. Like it, when someone asks you, like, um, uh, like Ocean's Eleven, you see Ocean's Eleven it was fun. Like Sneakers is fun. It's not the best movie ever. It's it didn't get nominated for anything and shouldn't have, but it's super fucking competent and enjoyable. I'd say. Yeah, I think some movies just go for fun. Wolf of Wall Street. That's all that is. It's just all fun. Entourage. That's all that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? It's just Wolf it's Street, it's all just though. about the the fun taking a peek into a different world and then just having fun with the with the wild crazy shit that might occur wild and crazy guys yeah explore a story just on that side i guess i mean i also th- i don't think there's any big arcs of any of these characters but but uh I, I didn't think that it was necessary for robert Redford's character to have this huge arc once again this was more about them accomplishing something. We did a movie recently where, oh, Master and Commander, 
once again, it was just about him defeating that ship. He, he was obsessed with fighting that guy and wanting to win, and he was the underdog. That's a... So many of these movies are just these underdog stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Rocky, the original Rocky, I'm sure, is still fairly good because it's really about this guy who, you know, is shouldn't shouldn't be fighting the champion and he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't even win, but but he goes the distance and he never gets knocked down. He never gets knocked out and it's you know, hope and perseverance and their yeah. qualities people want yeah. to, to yeah, exist. Absolutely. And yeah, friendships like this too. too. Yeah, yeah. Meaningful friendships across the board. Everybody like has each other's backs. So I think a lot of people want that too. Yeah, it's <clears> fantasy. What's it is fantasy. It's not real. That's com- <laughs> What's next movie that's coming up? Oh, we got our Valentine's special. Uh, and oh. it's eternal. And there's very spotless. Oh, yes. And sunshine. Oh, my God. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, All Jim right. Carrey. Let's see. This may be... Uh, I'm going to presume that Colin will say this is the only Kaufman movie to hold up. Ooh. The only Kaufman movie? No. No, actually, no, actually. Probably. Adaptation. Uh, adaptation, would also. 100%. Well, yeah. I've seen it recently, and I. I, I also have, and I totally agree. And I also think that um, I bet you that uh, being John Malkovich would too. Ooh. Oh, okay, okay. Malkovich, yeah. That and Rocky, we I, should get I can't on the say list. I'm a fan of Schenectady. Yeah, let's put Rocky. Are you a fan and, of Schenectady? Uh, no. Oh, no, no I didn't not. like that either. I can't watch it again. It's so depressing. I'll never it's, fucking watch it again. Jesus Christ. I, I had a razor like to, by the time I finish. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, well, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Nine Mind, not Mime or Nine. Uh, will be next and we're all very much <laughs> looking forward to that one it's going to be lots I'm, of fun I'm very excited about this yeah cool 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 alright three cools for y'all thanks everybody for coming out it's been great to have you as always and um, you know what folks enjoy your shit thanks for listening everyone make sure you follow us on Instagram our handle is holdup underscore podcast you can fire us a comment or two add a movie to our wish list and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.